you were with us last weekend, you know that we began um, a new preaching series throughout Advent. Uh, we're calling Awakened. To be awakened from spiritual drowsiness. That we know more and more so that our culture has a tendency to, to lull us into a spiritual drowsiness. And as we looked at last week, that physical drowsiness can be dangerous, do harming to ourselves or harm to others. The scriptures over and over again mention the fact that spiritual drowsiness is even more dangerous. And that's why throughout the entire Bible, and it's heightened during this time of Advent, is the message of stay awake, to get ready, because the Lord's coming. And last week we looked at that the, looked at that the time is now. The time is now to change, to start, to stop, to mend the relationship, to prepare, to build your ark, because the flood's coming. This week, I want to look at two things, alarm clocks and true repentance. So first, alarm clocks. The thing about alarm clocks, I think most of us have this feeling, is that they're annoying doesn't matter how nice of a song you have or your favorite jingle, whatever it is, alarm clocks are like a jolt to the system and they're annoying. And the problem is that if we keep silencing the alarm and pressing snooze, the drowsiness only continues. So alarm clocks are getting, they're getting more creative with, um, I, I ran across a, a couple alarm clocks when they go off, it, it, it rolls off your nightstand and just goes around the room, right? <laughs> so you have to chase it. I'd be hopefully awaking before you, you know, press it. And there's another one where it launches from a dock and flies around your room. <laughs> there was a, a buddy of mine in seminary who, who was especially struggling with waking up and pressing the snooze over and over again. During Lent, I told him about, you know, the heroic minute, alarm goes off, you got one minute to get out of bed and challenged him for Lent to, to not press the alarm. And I said, I'm going to hold you, hold you to it. He says, all right, let's do it. I'm not going to press the alarm for Lent or the, press the snooze button. And two weeks later, I asked him how he was doing. And he said, great. I, 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 didn't, I haven't pressed the, the snooze button one time. I'm like, dude, great job. And then he proceeded to show me his phone that had four different alarms set <laughs> 10 minutes apart. Right? He didn't press the snooze. But alarm clocks are annoying. But they don't care that they're annoying because they have a job to do. The second Sunday of Advent, another alarm clock of sorts comes on the scenes and it's John the Baptist. And he's also annoying. And he also doesn't care that he's annoying because he has a job to do. And in the first verse we heard, it says, John appeared preaching in the desert, repent. And right away, like that word repent, even for me, it's just like you just, there's like an annoyance to it. Like John, just easy, John, easy. And last week, remember, we looked at the fact that the time is now to change, to start, to stop. Things that I know deep within me from last week that's like, I don't need my parents to tell me that I need to change this or to start this or stop this. I don't need the priest to tell me. I don't need my spouse to tell me. This is deep within me. It's like, now's the time I'm gonna change. I'm gonna stop it. I'm gonna start it. Because our conscience is an alarm clock. The moral law is written in our hearts of right and wrongness of behavior, of good and bad character. 
it's written in our hearts. The spiritual life is written in our hearts. And so last week, hopefully we left here inspired. It's like, I'm going to stop the thing that I know I need to stop. I'm going to start the thing that I know that I need to start for my well-being, for my family's well-being, for the society's well-being, to correctly order my life. But even in the short span of a week, we can lose that. We can say, man, my ark, even one week, did not go as I planned. The building the ark for the flood didn't happen as I wanted to. But there's John the Baptist, the persistent alarm clock that he continues to go. And he's there. He doesn't stop. But here's where John the Baptist is really annoying. And he doesn't care that he's annoying. He just continues to eat his honey and eat his bugs. And you can just say what you want to him. But he gets more annoying here. And where that is, is it's this. He reveals us other areas where our conscience doesn't even bother us. Where our conscience, maybe we just stopped the alarm a long time ago. And that is becoming all the more prevalent in our culture today. Our culture forms our conscience. It affects our conscience. It deadens our conscience. Maybe more so today than it has in times past with just the number of voices and, the, and, and like the mere mass of voices that we hear. It can deaden our conscience. And John's right there that says, this actually is not correctly ordered for one's life and well-being. It actually will lead you to harm and it will lead others to harm. And ultimately, as we know, with John the Baptist, what did Herod do to John the Baptist? Herod silenced the alarm. He smashed it. He beheaded John the Baptist. And so, if you really want to be annoyed, and not everyone here wants to be, if you really want to be annoyed on your way out today, pick up one of these. It's an examination of conscience. It's based from the Ten Commandments. It's a very common examination of conscience. But there's probably going to be some things when you go through that exam examination of conscience, when you get to a couple of things that it's going to annoy you when you read it. Because your conscience doesn't even bother you anymore with this. Oh, that's that archaic teaching or whatever where my conscience has been deadened. And maybe with that, I would just ask you to, to engage it, to engage it. Maybe there, there's no shortage of podcasts that we can listen to, websites that we can visit, books that we can read, videos, YouTube videos now, but just to engage it and to ask like, why might this be wrong? Like why, why might sex before marriage be wrong? Why might, like, why is it that maybe throughout all of human history it was wrong up until maybe 60 years ago where now it's socially acceptable, where our conscience is dead into it now, more so? It takes courage to do that. It takes humility to do that. That's why humility is the beginning of the spiritual life. It involves a different way of seeing. It involves a change of heart which brings me to true repentance. 
John the Baptist says repent. Jesus over and over again says repent. It's that annoying word, but here's what it actually means. What is true repentance? True repentance always involves a change of behavior. To change, to start, to stop. Any words not accompanied by concrete change in lifestyle are ultimately empty. And we, we know that just from our own experiences with, with relationships. When somebody close to us, like that we love, and they tell us that they're going to change, and over and over again, they don't, it just, we know the hurt that that brings. True repentance involves change of behavior, but it's not, but that's not what repentance is. It involves true repentance. Change of behavior is the fruit of repentance. Change of behavior is the result of repentance. As John says in verse 8 here, or in the scriptures, or John says to those there that are gathering out and says, produce good fruits as evidence of your repentance. Change behavior to stop, to start, that's a result of it. It's not the beginning, the starting point. What true repentance is, it's a change of heart. It's a new way of seeing things. See, we have a heart problem, you and I do. We have a desire problem, and our heart isn't something that we can change. A couple of verses later, John says, repentance, he says this. He says, the ax is laid at the root. See, we have, a, we have a problem at the root. It's the problem of the heart. We're inflicted with sin. And here's where the good news is. And it's good news. After John goes towards the end here, we heard in verse 11, he says, I am baptizing you with water for repentance, but there's one coming after mightier than I, one who I'm not even to, able to carry his sandals, one who's able to change our hearts, one who's able to to." to to give us a new heart. He's one who's able to help us where we're not able to help ourselves. And so the sacrament of reconciliation doesn't just clean us, it transforms us. Does it take away the guilt of sin? 100%. Does it take away the punishment of sin? 100%. But it also is a place of transformation. To, to, to think when we go to the sacrament of reconciliation, not a place for me to confess the same sins over and over and again, but actually for my heart to become new, for him to give me a new heart, for, for me to be transformed. It's a place of transformation. Joseph, Joseph Pierce is a, a prolific Catholic writer now. He was a white supremacist. He spent two stints in prison. Just a, a, a bad man, bad bad to the root. And during his, his second stint in prison, he, um, he, he began to read the works of G.K. Chesterton, began to have this intellectual change of being able to start to see things a different way, but he was, a, he was unable to change his heart. He was unable to, to change himself at his root. So this is what he says as he wrote to somebody. He says, to answer your specific question about the, cata the catalyst of my change of heart, I would answer truthfully that the Holy Spirit was the catalyst. I would add that the catalyst conversion took hold over the all of the 1980s, an entire decade, because the deep-rooted nature that had a grip of that racist ideology that was in me. See, that's repentance. See, we don't realize of how bad, 
how badly we need Jesus, somebody to come from the outside to rescue me, to change my heart, to give me a new heart. Only he can do that. And he does it because he went to the cross. And so for us this week to examine our conscience, to go to confession, to see it as a place of transformation, to be healed at the root, to be transformed, to be given a new heart. We have confessions here Wednesday evenings at 6. St. Isaac Jogues is going to start having them in Advent at, on Monday, evening, Monday evenings. Our Lady of Peace in Darien has them on Friday evenings. Next Sunday and the following Sunday, I'm going to hear them 30 minutes before each Sunday Mass. Be awakened from spiritual drowsiness of the soul. Be prepared for the flood. Build your ark. Whatever you do, don't snooze because the spiritual drowsiness only continues. And as the phrase goes, you snooze, you lose.